a Podcast One production. Hey, I'm former Australian beach sprinter and fitness trainer Katie Williams. When I was competing, I would do anything I needed to do to be the best. But now that I'm retired, I'm trying to develop a more balanced relationship with my diet, exercise, and my body image. In each episode, I'll try a different diet or lifestyle challenge for two weeks to see if it helps me think, move, or feel better. For the next two weeks, the challenge I'm taking on, I'm taking on is gut health. Is gut health. The reason why I want to work on gut health is because I've just done the quitting coffee challenge and my gut wasn't in the greatest place during that challenge. I wasn't going to the bathroom regularly. I felt bloated. I felt blocked up and I thought I need to do a gut health challenge to get me back on track. My gut health can really affect me. If I feel that my gut health is not good, it can affect my energy levels. It can affect my mood. I can get grumpy. It can affect my mental health. You know, when I'm not feeling good, I'm not training as much, I'm not eating as well, and it can also affect my sleep. The more I look after my gut, the healthier I feel, the better I perform, and the more energy that I have. I would say that my digestive system functions well. I do get a little bit of bloating and I do get a bit of reflux, but all in all, I would say I've got a pretty healthy gut. But after this no coffee challenge, I definitely think I need a little bit of improvement. The reason why I want to do this challenge is I want to get back on track. I want my gut health to be firing again. I want to feel good. I want to be digesting properly. I don't want to be bloated. And I just want to feel like my gut health is thriving. Is there any other things I can be doing to add to my gut health and to feel better? Because gut health is such a trend and everyone is talking about it, I wanted to get in the best in the business, to cut through the BS and to get to the facts. And that person is Marika Day. Marika is a nutritionist and a dietitian specialising in IBS and digestive health. I wanted to get her in to get the right information that's backed up by science and that is relevant right now. I want to speak to Marika about what actually is gut health and how I can improve mine. I'm here with Marika Day. She's a nutritionist and a dietitian, and she's a specialist in IBS and digestive health. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So when did you start getting into gut health? What's your background in it? Yeah, so I started getting into it um, probably two years after I graduated from uni. I was always kind of interested in it because I have celiac disease myself. So there was always that underlying passion. And um, my dad's actually a colorectal surgeon, so it really did run in the family. But it was actually by accident that I sort of fell into it. It was just a role that I was in at the time. And I was seeing a lot of people with um, chronic pelvic pain. And I sort of didn't really know what to do with them from a nutrition perspective. When I first started, I was like, oh, I'm only like, you know, a year out of uni. And like, what am I doing nutrition for pelvic pain? And I realized that, you know, the things that they were experiencing were irritable bowel syndrome. So I just started, you know, working more in that field and researching more in that field and reading more and yeah, came to love it. So gut health is such a trend. Such a trend. (laughs) Such a trend. Uh, And everyone's trying new gut health diets. But what actually is gut health? Can we get a quick explanation? Yeah, so I sort of define it into two different sort of spheres here is I say we've got like a healthy functioning gut, so one that is um, not overly symptomatic. So obviously we will all from time to time have, you know, a little bit of bloating and particularly with females around menstruation and everything, we, we will always have those sort of come and go symptoms. 
But a healthy gut then is one that doesn't have, you know, symptoms all of the time in terms of a healthy functioning gut. So you're not, you know, bloated every day, your bowels are functioning in the way that they should. Then we also have like a healthy gut microbiome with the bacteria and everything and yeasts and fungi and all of those sorts of goodness that we have in our gut. The reason why I separate those two is because they can be separate in the Mm. sense that you could have a really healthy gut microbiome, but still have, you know, symptoms of an unhealthy gut. Completely. And the opposite could be true as well. Like you could have horrendous symptoms, but when you look at your gut microbiome, it could be really, really healthy. Um, So they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. Well, they are mutually exclusive, but they can also be together as well. What does a good gut look like or good gut health? Yeah, so I would say good gut and then combine both of those. So you're symptom-free plus have a healthy gut microbiome. And when I talk about like that healthy gut microbiome, what we're looking at is like having a really diverse balance of bacteria. We don't have a blueprint for what a healthy gut microbiome looks like. So we can't specifically say, well, you've got to have, you know, this much of this type of bacteria and, you know, not too much of that one and lots of this one. And, you know, it's different for every single person. So just like our genes are are different for every single person, just like our hair is different for every single person, every single person's gut is going to look a little bit different and that's normal. What we do want when it comes to our gut is that it is diverse. And the example I use with this is actually if you think about any ecosystem. So if you think about, for example, like the Amazon, there is a lot of diversity in the different types of bacteria, animals, you know, all sorts of different trees and plants and everything. And then if you think about the Great Barrier Reef, for example, that is another previously healthy ecosystem, but they are very different. So if you think about like the Amazon and the Great Barrier Reef, such different ecosystems, but because they're so diverse in the sense that they've got lots of different species within them, they are both very strong and resilient ecosystems. And the same goes with your gut and my gut. You know, yours might look completely different to mine, but if you've got a nice, strong, diverse gut, and I have a nice, strong, diverse gut microbiome as well, then we can both thrive in terms of gut health. My my naturopath told me it's like having a garden, like yeah. your microbiome's like a garden yeah. and you, you need to, it needs to be, you know, filled with beautiful soil for it to grow and you need to nurture it and hydrate it and grow it. Mm. Um, but the ecosystem one just is amazing. I love mm. that. Well, I think it shows you how different because like in your mind you can definitely like you can visualise the Great Barrier Reef and you can visualise the Amazon and you can sort of go, they are two very different ecosystems but both can be equally as healthy as one another. Yeah. Um, and the same goes for humans as well. And it will depend on where we live as well in terms of humans. Like, you know, somebody living in sub-Saharan Africa has got microbiome is going to look so different. So different. Somebody living in Sydney. I wanted to talk to you about the digestion of food and how long it takes to break down. Yeah. Is it 24 hours? Is that a normal time for healthy people? So it's different, again, for everyone. So some people do have a slower digestive process and some people have a more quick, rapid, rapid. <laughs> Some people have a slower digestive process. Where's the bathroom? (laughs) Some people uh, have a more rapid digestive system and things move through a lot more quickly. Um, I would say, yeah, the average would be around that 24 to sort of 36 hours. There is 36 a, hours? Yeah. Well, again, for some people, it, it is a, l- a little bit slower. The yeah. best way to tell it is, <laughs> this is a Sesame bit seeds. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you could do that. I was going to say corn. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, consume some corn and see how long it takes. And that's a good way wow. to see. Again, there's no gold standard with what is normal and what's not. And I guess it comes down to, like, if we think about our bowel movements and how frequently is normal with that, 
what we would say is that normal is anything from three times per day to three times per week. So that gives you a That's huge so spectrum. diverse. If I yeah. was three times per week, I would die. <laughs> but some people are like... And that, and, that feels healthy for yeah, them. absolutely. And to think about going every single day would just be completely strange. And it's not like, you know, when they're going three times per day, wow, this is getting really deep and personal. <laughs> but when I they're going <laughs> three times about per day... <laughs> It's important. It is. It is. Nobody it's talks so about important. it. It's so important. No one talks about poo. So <laughs> there is. So you're saying that there's no regular, there's no real like average for how many times you should go to the toilet. Yeah. So like I said, anything between three times per day and three times per week is considered normal, provided that like your consistency there is like a nice form stool. It's not like you're going three times per week and you're struggling to go and yeah. you know, you're getting like little rabbit pellets popping out. I'm, I think I do pretty healthy poos. Well done. Yeah. You I mean, I think a, so. Yeah. Yeah. You probably have a healthy gut then. I, th- I hope so. I mean, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah. I'll find the challenge. <laughs> so I wanted to speak to you about the relationship with gut health and skin. Mm-hmm. I get breakouts and I have sort of struggled a bit with my skin probably for a few years. And part of me thinks, oh, it's the food I'm eating. And then a part mm-hmm. of me thinks, oh, it's hormones. I'm not really sure. Do you know? Well, the thing with skin, again, like with your gut and everything, is that there's so many factors that play into it. So the challenging thing for a lot of people to accept is that there may not just be one factor. So it may not be just like you said, like your food. It may not be just your hormones. It may not just be your skincare routine. It may be a combination of all of the above, um, as well as environmental factors. Stress, and stress hydration. And yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's lots of things that will play into it. And that also then makes it challenging then when you are um, making changes and seeing changes. So for example, when your skin improves, you might be able to put it down to something. But typically when we make changes, there's a whole host of things that change at the same time. So for example, when you, um, you know, changing your diet to eat healthier, you typically will start exercising more, maybe drinking more water, um, maybe you're, you know, meditating or doing more yoga and your stress is changing um, or your stress might be getting worse because you're, you know, (laughs) putting so much pressure on yourself in order to look a certain way. So when somebody's skin changes or even their way that their digestive system changes as a result of making changes to their diet, there is so many other things that play into that that it's really hard to pinpoint and say just because you change your diet, that means your diet was the cause yeah, of the skin. Totally. One thing I find so fascinating is the relationship with gut health and mental health. Mm. Can we talk about that? And I would love to. Let's talk about serotonin and where it comes from. Yeah. So, yeah, I think about 90%. Um, it may have changed in terms of the actual number. I feel like that number is fluctuating every time I read research <laughs> of your serotonin is produced in the gut. The interesting thing, though, is that everybody says that that means that your gut is like where all the happiness takes place. The serotonin that's produced in your gut typically has roles within the gut. Um, it actually doesn't usually reach the brain, but that doesn't mean to say that the gut and the brain are very related and that mental health is absolutely, you know, related to the way that you're eating, your digestive system and everything like that. But yes, it, it is correct that serotonin is 90% or around that a mark is made in the gut. There's a really interesting study um, looking at mental health. It's called the SMILES trial. And they looked at people with diagnosed depression and they gave them a healthy Mediterranean-style diet um, with over 50 grams of fibre, which is quite a lot of fibre. and like Extra virgin olive oil and, you know, all of those Mediterranean-style foods each day. And what they saw was these massive improvements in mental health and, you know, therapy and everything was stayed constant between all of the groups and their mental health just improved so significantly. I think it was 12 weeks that they were, or maybe a bit longer, um, on this Mediterranean-style diet and just, the yeah, it was phenomenal improvements in their mental health. 
So Better For It is a challenge-based podcast and I've brought you in the studio today to give me a gut health challenge. Let's dive in. <laughs> what 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 challenge are you going to set me? So I was umming and ahhing about what to do with this with regards to whether your digestive health was in a good state or a bad state in terms yes. of whether you had, like I was saying before, the healthy functioning gut um, or whether we were just looking at a healthy gut microbiome. It sounds like your gut functioning is... It's good. Good, yeah. as in that your bowels are moving every day, you're not getting yes. extreme bloating or anything like that? No. Perfect. Okay, <laughs> good. So what we're going to do with the challenge is focus more on um, cultivating a healthy gut microbiome. Now, somebody who, you know, like you said before, loves eating vegetables and those sorts of things, you probably already do have quite a healthy gut microbiome, but what we're going to do hopefully is even sort of expand that further if we can. Of course. Um, and try and improve it even more. Oh, there's room for improvement for sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So what is my homework for this challenge? Okay, so I've got five things that I want you to do over the next two weeks to improve your gut. And it's not just about nutrition. So there's going to be some other aspects in there because like we said before, the mental health side of things is actually really important when it comes to your gut health as well because the gut and the brain are always talking. So first and foremost, you're going to need to have a minimum of two litres of water every single day. Easy. The next thing is that we're going to diversify your diet so that we are feeding that diverse range of gut uh, bacteria. So this means that we're going to have a minimum of 30 different plants every yes. single week. <laughs> this is a good challenge. So I want you to actually count out like I every need a checklist. Single, I'll, yeah. do, I'll do a checklist. Yeah. So we'll yeah. count out every single different plant that you're having each week. And so, I mean, plants for those playing along at home, we're talking about whole grains. We're talking about fruits, vegetables, legumes, nuts, seeds, herbs Amazing. can also be included in that. So yeah, any sort of plant, ideally a whole food plant yes. rather than a refined plant like a white bread. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> um, and the idea with that is that we will then hopefully, and I'll guide you through making sure we are hitting the 30 grams of fibre each day. So as a result good. of that. So yes. 30 different plants each week and 30 grams of fiber each day. So good. Then the other thing that we're going to do is to get you doing some breathing, some breath work every single day to soothe that gut brain access and to help just improve that coordination between your brain and your gut. Um, the breath work that I get my clients to use is either one of two different strategies, depending on how new they are to meditation and breath work or whether they've done it before. So mm. Can I ask you, have you done any meditation or breath work before? Yes. I've been meditating for three years and I've just started doing Wim Hof. So, oh, lovely. Yeah, I lovely. love breath work. Okay, yeah. good. I just use then the four, seven, eight method. So it's a four second inhale, a seven second hold, and then an eight second exhale. Love. And so we're going to do that for five minutes each day Wow! just to help to, like I said, soothe that gut-brain axis and to help improve the communication there. So that's before I eat? It can be any time of the day. Wow. Um, I suggest doing it before you eat if you are somebody who eats on the go. So like if you're somebody, like I've got a lot of clients who are like, you know, lawyers and those sorts of things. So if they're, you know, running from meeting to meeting and sort of shoving food in on the way, I try and get them to obviously take time out for their lunch and then before they go into that, say, for example, they might have come from like a stressful meeting, is to actually do that breath work then before they start eating. Of course. So that they can get themselves into a rest and digest like... Parasympathetic. Yeah, parasympathetic yeah. state so that they can actually digest their food. That's so cool. The next thing is to chew your food really well. Yes. So this is a really big one for a lot of people, particularly, again, if they're on the go and sort of not sitting down and putting aside that time to actually chew their food. It's skipping the whole first process of digestion. Like our teeth is literally the first step of digestion. So if we're not doing that, we're putting extra pressure on our digestive system to try and work and break things down. So we're going to 
advise you to do 15 to 20 chews per mouthful for as many of your meals that you can. Obviously, it's going to be really challenging to remember to do it all of the time. But if you can, you know, put a reminder in your phone for some of your meals. So just beforehand that you sort of think, okay, yep, going to slow down with my eating and chew your food incredibly well. Another cue I use for that is things should be almost slipping down your throat without you having to gulp or swallow them down. So no big like chunks of food going down your your esophagus um, so that you can actually break down your food properly and let your digestive system then do its job of absorbing nutrients. Um, So the the fifth and final one is to include each day one fermented food and make sure that we're getting in one prebiotic-rich food. So I'm choosing to use foods here because I'm such an advocate for foods over supplements when it comes to prebiotics and probiotics. So um, looking at live fermented foods or um, in terms of the prebiotics, I'll give you a list of those, but they are things like onion and garlic and legumes and lentils, um, oats. So lots of different food options when it comes to prebiotics. What changes do you think I should expect from doing this challenge? So like I said, because you've already got a really healthy, what sounds like a really healthy gut, you might not see, you know, massive changes. But what we would expect to see is at least, um, you know, some regularity with your bowel movements and everything Mm. that you're seeing that, you know, they're really easy to move, that you're feeling that you're evacuating fully when you do go. Yeah. Um, Energy levels typically for a lot of people will pick up as well. Um, Obviously, you know, making sure that they're staying hydrated is something that um, does play a large role as well in your energy levels. And the other thing is, interestingly, when people do have more fibre in their diet, we do sometimes see this increase in their mood as well. So So potentially a change in your mood. Yeah, wow. Yeah. I'm so excited. My gut health wasn't great on the last challenge, which is why we thought we've got to do a gut health challenge straight after. So I think that... this is the perfect time to yeah. do this challenge. The other thing is some people will find that when they do increase like their dietary fibre and eat a bit more plants and particularly if you're eating things like legumes and lentils, they might find that they do get a little bit extra gas. Yeah. Um, but what I always say is like that's normal to increase. Like the more fibre you eat, the more your gut bacteria are breaking down and fermenting fibre, which is a really healthy, beneficial process. That's, you know, what has those effects on our mental health. But if you're not used to that, it can be a little bit extra windy for a couple of weeks. <laughs> until you get used to it, until those bugs start to get used to what they're doing. Do you think I'll experience any changes when it comes to like mental health and then social? Yeah. So with regards to mental health, you might see that your mood does improve a little bit. Um, A lot of people do find that their mood and their digestive system sort of work together in the sense that, you know, when they their bowels are slow and sluggish, that they feel slow and sluggish. Um, and when they're anxious, their bowels sort of speed up and <laughs> they rush the into the anxious bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but you got there. Mm. Um, but yeah, so a, a lot of the people find that, you know, when their bowels get to a really normal, regular spot that they do feel from a mental standpoint that they feel, you know, really calm and um, collected and everything as well. So you might find that that happens um, and you might also find a boost in your mood, you know, in general so cool. as well. Yeah. yeah, that's unreal. Do you think there'll be any impacts on my social health doing this challenge? I don't think so because I think that with the, the strategies that we've sort of said that they're quite flexible in the nature that you can do them, you know, if you say, for example, are going out for a meal with, you know, family or friends or um, going over someone's house that, you know, one meal is not going to make the difference on your entire day or your entire week when we're thinking about getting that 30 grams of fiber in per day or the 30 different plants in the week. You can still manage that whilst, you know, going to somebody's house for dinner. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. So I wanted to talk to you about pre and probiotics. One, what is the difference between them? And should we be getting more 
Should we be getting more of one versus the other one? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question, but it's, I think it's an important one to, to talk about. So prebiotics are your food, essentially, that feed the bacteria in your gut. So they're a type of dietary fibre that when the bacteria break it down, they ferment it and produce beneficial byproducts as a result of that. Then your probiotics are the bacteria themselves. So, you know, when you take a probiotic capsule, you're taking the bacteria within that capsule. Um, so that's the difference between the two is essentially the prebiotics are the food for the probiotics or for the bacteria in your gut. Now, the prebiotics you can absolutely and easily get from your diet. So from things like legumes, lentils, um, onion, garlic, leeks, pistachios, cashews, you know, there's lots of plant-based foods that you're going to be able to get your prebiotics from. So there's absolutely no need to take, you know, prebiotic powders or anything like that, provided that you're having, you know, a healthy balanced diet and including those 30 different plants each week and getting in your 30 grams of fiber each day, um, you'll definitely be getting in plenty of prebiotics. Probiotics, on the other hand, uh, you don't need to take them. There is some evidence for certain conditions where taking a capsule probiotic, sorry, um, is beneficial. So certain conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, there are certain strains of probiotics that can be really beneficial for different conditions. For the average healthy individual, there's actually no good research to show that taking an additional probiotic makes much difference to the gut. Um, and the way that probiotics typically work is that they actually don't stay in your gut. So for example, the bacteria that you consume in a probiotic capsule is not going to colonize in your gut. Rather, it provides like a transient benefit as it moves through. So it helps you go to the toilet. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, like it's useful in certain conditions, but in the average healthy individual, it's actually not going to make all that difference. Um, and where you get a lot of your bacteria from that are housed in your gut is actually formed within the first few years of your life when you are, you know, exposed to lots of different um, environmental bacteria. So, you know, from playing in the mud to drinking your mum's breast milk and, you know, all of these sorts of different things where we're getting exposure to bacteria, that's where we really build up our gut microbiome. So you've got your sauerkraut, your kimchi and your kombucha, and, but really they're just the little salt on top. Yeah. Whereas the actual bread and butter should be um, the fibre yeah. and the 30 plants because that's where you're getting the majority from. We yeah. get it backwards in society. We yeah. think that we can eat burgers and chips and then put a bit of, you know, kombucha on the side and <laughs> think we're working on our gut. <laughs> so we're really looking at the core. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you think two weeks is long enough for me to notice changes? Potentially, yeah. So the thing with the gut is that it does change very quickly. So we see in the research that changes with the gut microbiome can occur within as little as 24 hours. Um, so you will see a difference in terms of, depending on how healthy your gut was beforehand and, you know, as we're suspecting your gut is potentially quite healthy. But if you had come from a place where you were eating, you know, a highly processed and refined diet, a really um, high animal product-based diet, and then switch to a more plant-based diet and having more dietary fiber, you would see a massive change even within those 24 hours in terms of your gut microbiome there. So um, absolutely, you can see changes within two weeks. The key though is that those changes revert back when your diet reverts back. So for example, if you're that you know person consuming the highly processed and refined and animal-based diet and then go to, let's say, a vegan diet for a couple of weeks, you're, yes, you'll absolutely see a change in your gut microbiome and the bacteria housed in there. But if you then switch back straight away to your refined and animal-based diet, you'll see it, it change back to its baseline again as well. Wow. It happens that quickly. That yeah. is amazing. I think that's really encouraging to know that you can work on your gut in such a short period of time and it can change so quickly. I'm talking about the microbiome, yeah. not 
you know, the full-on gut symptomatic. Symptoms, yeah. 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 That's so exciting. I do have some fears for this challenge. One of them is my gut adapting to the new changes, probably the bloating. Perhaps you were saying it might get a bit gassy and all those changes again that my body has to go through. So I am fearful a little bit of that. I'm also fearful that, you know, my schedule is picking up now and I am getting busier and I probably am a little bit more prone to eating on the go or eating fast. So I do normally sort of sit down and have like a slower meal, but now that things are sort of getting back to normal a little bit, my schedule is getting busier. And then also finding the time to do the breathing. I do meditation in the morning, but um, this is different to my normal. So I'll be doing your breathing on top of my normal schedule that I do. So it's adding in more tasks, which I think is amazing, but I definitely think I'm going to need to schedule it in. Yes. Um, And the chewing, like that will probably take me a few days to actually create a habit from chewing that many times. I feel like I don't chew my food that much. No, most people don't chew their food that much. So it's a real, um, yeah, mental struggle to try and remember to actually do it. And that's why having like uh, prompts or, you know, reminders on your phones. Um, Other people I say, like, you know, if you're always eating at the same dining table, put like a sticky note on your dining table. So when you sit down, you see that sticky note there that reminds you to chew your food or have an alarm that goes off on your phone if you're consistent with your meal times so that there's an external reminder reminding you to chew your food. When it comes to the bloating, like your fear around that, yes, absolutely, I understand that. Like, you know, and like I said earlier that, you know, some people when they do go from having very little fibre in their diet to having more fibre that they will go through a period where they've got to adjust to a little bit of extra um, gas passing. The strategies that I would use there is, you know, like I said, the chewing is something that's actually going to make a big difference there because it actually helps you to break down that fibre. So it will make it easier on your digestive system. So if you are, you know, doing that, making sure that you are doing the chewing as well. If you're also somebody for those playing along at home who are not consuming much dietary fibre, so not consuming many plant-based products, you might want to gradually introduce uh, the the dietary fibre. So not jump from, let's say, for example, you might be having around 10 grams of fibre a day. You don't want to jump straight up to 30. You want to gradually increase that over time. Um, and that might mean that it's, it takes a longer period of time than two weeks. Like we've discussed, I think that your diet is not too far off um, having that 30 grams a day. So I don't yeah. think that you would need to gradually introduce it. And we can just jump to, you know, making sure that you are getting that 30 every single day. But for people at home, if they're doing this and they uh, think that that's going to be a huge change for them, I'd actually encourage you to do it in a, a slower process and to gradually introduce that dietary fibre. So my homework for this challenge is two litres of water a day, minimum, yep. uh, 30 grams of fibre a day, mm-hmm. 30 plants a week. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to chew my food t- 15 to 20 times, yep. each mouthful. Each mouthful, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do the four, seven, eight breathing yep. twice a day. As often as you can, honestly. Yep. I would suggest just starting with a couple of minutes each day. If meditation is new to you then, or if it's something that you struggle to fit into your schedule because you're already doing your other meditation, then just doing a couple of minutes each day. And think about when is the time that you think it might be beneficial for you. So when you a time you're feeling quite busy, quite rushed, um, so that it can actually help you to slow down then. I like the idea of doing the 478 meditation just before I eat because mm. it's like I'm going to sit down and enjoy my meal and eat it quietly and mindfully. Yeah. And I can have that and sort of cluster the homework together yeah. there. Last but not least, I'm having my prebiotics every day. Yep. And I'm also going to have one serve of probiotic, which will come from fermented foods. Love it. And that's my homework. Yes. <laughs> so good. I love this challenge. Too much? <laughs> not at all. No, not at all. This is uh, really doable. Well, and that's the idea is that this is stuff that, you know, everybody should be doing on a regular basis. It's not stuff that should be, you know, like a challenge per se. It's like, let's actually, you know, work on our gut health for life instead of yeah. doing, you know, two weeks. It's 
Let's start here and then continue. Marika, you are just a wealth of information. I'm so glad you've come in and this episode is phenomenal. I'm so grateful to have you in the studio. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure. I love it. Let's work on our guts. Yes. <laughs> Follow me while I do a gut health approved healthy food shop. Let's go. Mushrooms, sprouts, carrots. We've got some beets, eggplant, Brussels sprouts, which I love, avocado, bought a few of those. I bought lots of nuts and seeds, bok choy, brown rice, hummus, falafels, baby spinach and kale. <laughs> I told you I did a massive food shop. So yeah, I feel so good this week. Another part of my homework for this gut health challenge is to chew my food 20 times minimum per mouthful. That is a lot of chewing. <laughs> this is a skill that I need to learn and it's a habit that I keep forgetting. Every time I eat, I need to remind myself to slow down and chew my food. So for my probiotics, I'm having lots of miso, I've got tempeh, I've got kombucha, I've got sauerkraut, I've got kimchi, but I'm trying to get in as many as I can in a healthy way to get my gut Firing. Yes! I'm still finding I'm rushing through my meals when I'm eating with friends. And when I'm socializing, I find it quite hard to be really mindful with my eating. So that's something that I am working on. I'm just loving this challenge. It just means I get to eat and enjoy so many foods that I already love. I'm feeling really good. Okay, so I've been working on my gut health for two weeks and the challenge is now over. And the question is, am I better for it? The answer is yes, I am so much better for it. I really loved this challenge. So in week one, I struggled a bit with my homework. I struggled with the chewing 15, 20 times. I got a sore jaw and to be honest, I found it really tedious for the first few days. I also forgot about my breathing and I'd get halfway through my meal and realize I have to stop, breathe and reset. During week one, when I was eating at home, I actually had to write sticky notes on my table to remind myself to do my breathing before my meals. Or I would set reminders if I was out and about to do it on my phone. I found it was the best way to do this before every meal until that habit started to form. For the first week, I found it really easy to get my pre and probiotics in. I bought miso, pickles, sauerkraut, kombucha, just to name a few, and I loved it. I added it to my meals. And to be honest, I love pre and probiotics anyway, so this was a big win. I found water really easy. I had two liters of water a day. To be honest, that wasn't a struggle because I am a big water drinker. The 30 gram fiber intake was relatively easy to do, especially because I'm eating so many plants. For this challenge, I had to have 30 plants for the week. And to be honest, you can get that in a few days if you're conscious. For the days I didn't get enough fiber, which there was a few in week one, I actually just added in psyllium husk. So you can add psyllium husk into your oats or you can add it into your smoothies. Psyllium husk is super high in fiber and it's a really good way to up that fiber intake. Because 30 grams of fiber is quite a lot if you're someone that doesn't eat a lot of plants. For the days I didn't get enough vegetables, I'd load myself with a Buddha bowl at night and I would literally add every color vegetable I could find. I'd then top it with hemp seeds, nuts, chia seeds, nut butter or tahini. It was a fully loaded bowl. In week two, the habits started to form. I didn't need the reminders to chew slowly and I didn't need the reminders to stop and breathe before my meals. 
My fears did not play out throughout this challenge. I did not have any bloating. I still got to eat out and I'd just order veggies on the side or I'd make sure I'd hit my fibre targets and plant targets before eating out that night. I did find it hard to eat slowly and mindfully when I was socially eating or eating out with a friend. This challenge really affected my health in a positive way. Physically, my skin cleared up. I had no bloat. I was going to the bathroom more regularly. I felt more hydrated. I felt fuller for longer. I felt more satisfied after my meals. Really, because I'm loading myself up with good pre and probiotics, heaps of fiber and so many plants. No wonder I felt so great. Mentally, I felt energized. I had no brain fog. I felt sharp and I felt clear. My sleep improved as well. I was digesting better and I was going to bed feeling satisfied, not bloated and full. Two weeks was definitely enough time to notice benefits. I actually noticed benefits within the first few days. I will continue this challenge long term. These were simple and easy lifestyle habits that I'm going to keep up. And to be honest, I think the breathing and the chewing, which are the two things I struggle with, are the ones that I need the most and I'm going to continue them long term. I would absolutely recommend people doing a gut health challenge because good gut health is so vital. Even these small changes have helped me so much. But please don't make any changes to your diet without first speaking to a health professional. So the main question is, did working on my gut health help me think, move or feel better? And the answer is yes. I feel so much better for it. So that's it for my two weeks of gut health. If you want to see the behind the scenes from this challenge, check out my Instagram at Katie Williams. My next challenge is tracking my macros with Ash Lane. Join me next time to see if I'm better for it. Better For It was presented by Katie Williams and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer, Lindsay Green. Audio producer, Darcy Thompson. And executive producer, Jennifer Goggin. For more episodes, head to podcastoneaustralia.com.au. Download the free Podcast One Australia app or search Better For It podcast.